Good morning. The scripture reading today is Matthew 6, 9 through 15, which can be found on page 787 in your Brown Pew Bible. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the Lord's word. Thank you, Sandy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you that we have access to it, and thank you that we have a, a time, a space and time now to listen to what it means. I pray that you would help me to speak truth and help each listener here to have an open heart and an open mind to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How does it feel to be in debt? I know many of us in this room have debt. Um, according to the Dave Ramsey website, which uh, he compiled data from the U.S. Census Bureau, the Federal Reserve, and the New York Federal Bank, the average American household owes $158,209. That breaks down into mortgages, credit card debt, auto loans, student loans, etc. You know how that feels. You know how it feels to owe a lot of money to someone or to some bank and to be servicing the interest on a loan and to be working hard just to keep up with your debts. It's not a good feeling, is it? Well, there's an even worse kind of debt in this world that we all have carried. Um, and many of us are struggling with it right now. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 6, verse 12, when he teaches his disciples to pray, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. What kind of debt is he talking about? Spiritual debt. Spiritual debt. So have you ever felt really guilty about something and you wonder if God can forgive you? That spiritual debt you're feeling. Have you ever gotten the silent treatment or the cold shoulder from someone who it's clear has not forgiven you for something? That's spiritual debt. Have you ever said, I can never forgive that person for what they did to me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them pay. That is spiritual debt. Have you ever been haunted by something that happened to you long ago and you just can't let go of it and can't forgive? That is servicing spiritual debt. And to be honest, if we remain in spiritual debt, we will die. We will become spiritually bankrupt. See, Jesus knows that this is a huge problem 
and that the only way to deal with it is through radical forgiveness. That's the only way. You have to live debt-free in the kingdom of God. That includes your debts to God. You have to be forgiven of your sin. But it's not enough just to have your sins forgiven. You must release others from their debts to you. There's no other way. So Jesus is teaching here his disciples and us how to pray. And he devotes a major portion of this short prayer to forgiveness. Only, there are only six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. The first three are all about God. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. There's only three about us. One is about forgiveness. So this is a major, majorly important issue for Jesus. Um, furthermore, I want, to, I want to show you how in this prayer, uh, what comes before this is provision, right? Give us today our daily bread. And then he says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That and is important. It's showing us that, that just as necessary as food is for us, we need forgiveness. <laughs> we need to forgive and to be forgiven as much as we need food. It is that important. So Jesus wants to teach us how to live debt-free. We all need to be forgiven, and we all need to forgive. <coughs> this may be a challenging teaching today in some ways, uh, but for all who choose to do what Jesus says, and to enter this debt-free way of living, there is amazing power and freedom and release. So I invite you now to look with me at this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, to learn from Jesus how to live debt-free. Matthew 6, 12. We're going to take it in two halves. First, forgive us our debts, and then as we have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. <coughs> the way to live debt-free is to start by getting right with God. If we don't do that, we'll never be able to forgive other people, really. We have to have experienced forgiveness ourselves. And in order to experience forgiveness, we have to understand our sin. What is it we're being forgiven of? I find that many Christians, sometimes myself included, we are quick to say, I believe in Jesus. He forgives my sins. And then someone says, well, what sins has he forgiven? And it's like, uh, well, I don't know, all of them. Yes, but what? What have you done that, that you're ashamed of? What have you done that's broken relationship with God? What have you done that's wrong? See, we need to understand the weight and the specificity of the debts we owe to God in order to come to him for forgiveness. As some of you know, our family just got a puppy. It's a golden doodle named Pax. And like all puppies, he does things that he shouldn't do. He eats, eats puzzle pieces and poops on the carpet and chews up the TV remote and barks when we're trying to sleep and knocks over Willa. And, but he's a puppy. He doesn't know any better, right? Sometimes we think that's the way it is with sin. Like we're just sort of, we don't know any better. We're doing these kind of naughty things. 
but God just says, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. But that's not what sin is. Sin is um, treason against our creator. It's perversion of what's right. It's knowing what's right and choosing the opposite. It's, it's a serious offense against our creator. It's also failure to give him what we owe. We All of us owe God honor and praise and obedience and love and service. And not only do we not give God what we owe him, but we do the opposite. And so what all of this amounts to is we rack up enormous spiritual debts, unpayable spiritual debts to God. And he has every right to call in those loans um, and say, okay, pay up. And what would happen if he did that? We would die. There's a parable <coughs> Jesus told, not a, not a very well-known parable. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. And this is a really key teaching for understanding this because Jesus uh, talks about forgiveness and how <clears throat> if we understand how much we've been forgiven, we will forgive others. So he says, The kingdom of God is like a king who went to settle accounts with his servants. So right now it's like this is God, like on judgment day, telling people to pay up. And he says, he calls in, the king called in a servant who owed him 10,000 denarii, denarii. Now a denarii was equivalent to, let me get this right, 20 years wages. One denarii was equivalent to 20 years wages. And this guy owes the king 10,000 denarii. You think, how could he possibly have incurred that much debt? Jesus is trying to make a point here, how much we owe to God. So that's billions and billions of dollars by today's standards. That's a completely unpayable debt. Well, the man, the king says, okay, uh, since you can't pay, I'm going to have you and your family thrown into prison until you can pay me back. And the guy falls on his knees and begs for mercy and says, please, just give me time. I'll pay it back. I'll pay back everything, which is a completely unrealistic request. He can't pay it back. But then Jesus says the king had compassion on him. And the king says, okay, I will cancel your debt. I'll just, I'll just forgive all of it. And it's like, wow, how can that be? How can God just forgive us? so freely we see that servant got a sense of how much how big trouble he was in and how much he owed the king and uh, it's the same with us paul says in romans all have sinned and the wages of sin is death we all owe our very lives to god and then some and we can't pay it back we can't do enough to work off the debts we owe to god <coughs> But you see, God is merciful, and he's ready to forgive. That was the first surprise. This parable has two surprises in it. The first surprise is that the king was so merciful and ready to say, okay, I, I cancel your debt. You don't owe anything to me anymore. I'm not going to hold it over you. I'm not going to um, call it in. I'm not going to pester you, whatever. I'm not going to judge you. So how can Jesus 
how can it be that we simply need to ask for forgiveness and we receive it? Jesus here is coming to us not just as a teacher, but as a savior. See, he knew when he spoke these words that the cost of forgiveness would be his very life on the cross. He was the Messiah, God himself come in the flesh to redeem the world, to take the sins of the world on himself. So he doesn't say these words lightly. He knows that for us to be able to say, forgive us our sins, Jesus, he would have to suffer and die and pay the cost of our sins to God. He had to pay all of that debt. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus settled accounts. And so we can be forgiven, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And now anyone who will simply confess their need for forgiveness and come to Jesus can receive forgiveness and be 100% debt-free with God. So let's talk about how to do that. I want to get practical here. How, how is your prayer life when it comes to confessing sin and asking God for forgiveness? Uh, some people say, well, Jesus forgave everything, so I don't need to keep asking for forgiveness. And that's not really true because, first of all, Jesus teaches us to pray regularly, forgive us our sins. Um, and whenever we sin, we still damage our relationship with God, even though Jesus has purchased our forgiveness completely, our sin still affects our relationship with God. And so, how do we have regular rhythms of confession and of repentance and receiving God's forgiveness? If you just have a general sense, yes, God forgives me, what's going to happen is when you sin, you're going to feel guilty and you're going to wonder, am I really forgiven or not? Can God really forgive me or not? So how do we... <coughs> Excuse me. How do we come to God and actually be able to say, forgive us our sins? Well, there's, there's two things I want to tell you. First, if you want to experience the freedom and the power of God's forgiveness, first, you have to bring your specific sins into the light. You have to actually name them, talk about them. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. There's something about actually naming your specific sins, preferably with other people, with a trusted friend, a brother in Christ, that sets you free. When Meg was in her counseling program at Wheaton College, she had a professor who would fire off these little axioms, little aphorisms all the time. He had 10 or 12 of them. And one of them was this. You are only as sick as your secrets. So if there is something in your life that you are too ashamed to talk about or confess with other people, it has power over you. That is a sin that you have not been freed from. So, there's nothing to be afraid of. You can name your sin out loud. You can talk about it. You can confess it, which simply means speak the truth about it. 
say, listen, I did a terrible thing, or I, my heart has been terribly prideful lately, or I've been idolizing this thing lately. The first step is to name it, confess it. And the second is then to ask God for forgiveness and thank him for his mercy. When you actually say something like, Lord, I trust in your mercy. I look to what Jesus did on the cross. I receive your forgiveness. Help me to walk in your truth. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for your grace. I choose to cut ties with that sin, and I choose to come to you. That is the kind of confession or kind of uh, thing that actually helps you apply what you believe about Jesus to your specific sins. So don't, don't shortchange yourself. It's like when you've paid off, when we paid off our student loans, we took a picture of that screen on the laptop that said, congratulations, your loans are fully repaid. It's like we need to remember this. It wasn't just another, yeah, okay, we just sent another 500 bucks. It made it more real. And in the same way, when you apprehend, when you take hold of what Jesus did for you by faith and apply it to your specific sins, that's when you get freedom. That's how we can be debt-free with God. Some of you today... (laughs) feel like you are still loaded with spiritual debt to God. But you don't have to feel that way. You can simply confess your sins to God, to others, and you can receive forgiveness. God is so ready to forgive. That's the amazing thing. Some of you feel loaded with debt to God because you've never come to Jesus for the first time and said, Lord, I am a sinner, but you are a great Savior. So I place my trust in you. Please forgive my sin. If you have never done that in your heart, you can do that today. You can do that right now and begin to experience the freedom of God's forgiveness. Well, the second thing is Jesus says, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus knows that if we have been forgiven by God, we will forgive other people. Um, This is not a hard concept to understand, right? (laughs) But it's very hard to do. It is very hard to forgive people. The, The worse they hurt you, the harder it is. You know why? Because forgiveness is costly, right? When you forgive someone you actually, in a way, pay the cost of their sin against you by choosing to say, you don't owe me anything anymore. I'm not going to hold this over you. Instead, I'm going to cut the losses, absorb the cost myself. And the only way to do that is if you trust in God to forgive you. And if you see that his mercy is so much greater than what you could ever give. Um, <laughs> we know what happens when, when, you, when someone wrongs you. Let's say a coworker, let's use in a kind of extreme example, let's say a coworker lies about you at work 
and you wind up losing your job. So you've lost wages, you've lost reputation, you've lost friendships, maybe even your physical health has suffered. And to be able to forgive is to simply absorb that cost, all of those losses, into yourself. And to cut that person loose from owing you anything. Right? It's the same way that God forgives us. He absorbed all the cost of our sin in himself, in Christ. That's why he can say, you're forgiven 100%. And in a much smaller way, we must do the same thing. We must bear the cost of someone's sin against us. It doesn't mean there's no justice. It doesn't mean we open ourselves to abuse. I'll get to that later. But it means we refuse to say, you owe me. You see, if, if your spouse or your friend does something and you say, I forgive you, and then later you bring it up and say, what about that time that you, that means you haven't forgiven. You're still thinking they owe me. Or I'm going to hold this over them. I'm going to use this to have power over them. So what does it take to fully release someone else from their debts to you? Well, Jesus said the only way to do that is to realize, first of all, how much God has forgiven you. So back to the parable. This is where it gets interesting. After the king cancels billions of dollars of debt for this servant. Some of you know what happens. The servant goes out and he he comes across another servant who owes him a few thousand dollars. So it's not insignificant, but comparison, in comparison to the billions he was forgiven, it is insignificant. Okay? So he sees this guy, he starts throttling him and says, pay back what you owe me. And the same thing happens. The guy falls on his knees and begs for mercy. But instead of being merciful, the first guy says, uh-uh. I'm going to send you to prison until you can pay back what you owe me. He does the exact opposite of what the king did to him. Well, the king hears about what had happened, what has happened, and he calls in the first guy again and says, guess what? I decided not to cancel your loans after all. And so uh, he calls, the, he calls the, pri the prison guard to come and get him and drag him away until he can repay the debt. And Jesus said, so it will be with your heavenly Father unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You see, the only way we can muster up the spiritual um, fortitude to forgive someone is by remembering how much we have been forgiven. Always keeping in view the cross and the mercy of God. You might say things like, but you don't know how much they hurt me. They don't deserve to be forgiven for what they did. They have broken my trust too many times. Stuff like that. Let me ask you, would you want God to take any of those phrases and apply them to you? Sorry, you've sinned too many times. Or that sin was too great or too despicable. I cannot forgive you. It's the same thing. Forgiveness takes spiritual work. <coughs> That's why I think Jesus teaches this in the context of prayer 
And that's why we're talking about it in this prayer series, because through prayer we confess and receive forgiveness, and through prayer we find the means we need to forgive others. Um, I also need to clear up, and I need to clear up some misconceptions about forgiveness that we have, that we have to get straight in order to do the work of forgiveness. So here are three things. <coughs> Number one, forgiveness is not giving a free pass to evil. We think, well, if I forgive them, I'm saying what they did was okay. No, you're not. You're not saying, don't worry about it. What you did's fine. You're instead saying, I know that what you did was wrong, but I refuse to take revenge. I refuse to bear a grudge. Instead, I trust in God's justice. That's what you're doing. The second thing is that forgiveness does not automatically or necessarily reestablish trust. So just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean the relationship goes back to exactly the way it was, right? If someone has betrayed you or really harmed you, it's going to take a while for that person to <coughs> recover the trust that they lost, right? But if you don't forgive them, you actually aren't letting them continue that process because you're continuing to live in the hurt, and you're binding them to yourself with these ropes of what they owe you and how much they've done and how grieved you are. You must forgive, but that doesn't necessarily restore trust. They have to work to regain that trust. And the third thing is this. Forgiveness must be granted before it is felt. So if you wait to feel forgiving towards someone you will never forgive, right? You have to simply make a choice with God's help to say, I forgive you. And then when the anger flares up, when the resentment comes, when the bitterness comes, you just surrender that to God and say, Lord, I have forgiven them. Help me to feel it. And eventually your feelings will catch up. In the same way, <coughs> If you do forgive someone, then you still feel angry later. It doesn't necessarily mean you haven't forgiven them. It just means you're a human being. And you need to bring those emotions to God and say, Lord, help me. Help me to love this person. Help me to live in the reality of that forgiveness. <coughs> so friends, the Christian life is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. It's at the heart of what Jesus did for us. It's about finding God's grace to cover your own spiritual debts, and then it's about paying that grace forward to everyone who hurts you. I wonder what would happen in our church, in our families, in our towns, if everyone here was radically committed to forgiveness, what would happen if we were a people who were, um, <laughs> who were fully awake to the power of God's mercy, who had fully experienced that ourselves, were free from sin, and then were generous with our forgiveness toward others, who didn't bear grudges, people who were not bitter, 
who, who, made, made, who reconciled quickly after an offense, what would happen? I think we would see God's power and God's kingdom come in some amazing ways in our families, in our church, even in our town. What if we did what Paul said in Romans 13, 8? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. I do know that I've seen the power of forgiveness at work. I want to close with a story that Dave Bartlett um, let me share with you this morning. Sadly, he is on vacation, so he can't share it himself as our prayer story today. But here it is. About four years ago, <coughs> a new couple walked into our church one morning. It was Dave and Marie Bartlett. And um, Dave talked to me after the service about how he had never really been a religious person, but he felt like God was trying to get his attention. And some things were happening in his life that, that made him decide to come to church. And so they Googled churches near them, and this was the closest one, so they drove here one Sunday morning. And um, I was just delighted that he was responding to God's work. Well, around the same time, we were doing the Alpha Course, which is kind of a 12-week exploration of Christianity. So I said, Dave and Marie, this would be perfect for you. Come to the Alpha Course. Learn about Jesus, and we'll talk about it. And they did. Now, he was in a small group with me after the, the video, so we got to the session about forgiveness that talks about the cross and what Jesus did for us and then talks about our need to forgive others. And I could tell Dave was, was moved. Something was happening in his heart. He shared in the small group Forgiveness is hard for me because about 30 years ago, a drunk driver killed my sister. It was down in Tennessee. I didn't even know who it was, but I think about it every day, and I just can't let go of that. He, he took away my sister's whole future because of one stupid mistake, and I just I think about it all the time. It eats me up. I can't forgive him for that. So I don't know what to do. Well, the days and weeks went on and God continued to work in Dave's heart. I think he may have come and talked with me more about it, but then one, one day he was out for a walk and he was praying. And he says he passed a tree on his road that had a white cross on it which was where someone had died in an accident. And he saw that cross, and he sensed the presence of Jesus. And he just raised his hands and said, Lord, I forgive the man who killed my sister. I wish him well. I don't want to live with unforgiveness anymore. And in that moment, he said, a feeling came into his heart that he had never experienced before. He felt Jesus in a way he had never felt before. He came to me a few days later and shared this story and said, I want to get baptized because I understand forgiveness. 
And a few weeks later, I did get to baptize him. So friends, it may not always be as dramatic as what happened with our brother Dave, but the reality is that we can and must live debt-free. That's the way of Jesus. It's the only way he has for us. Let's pray. Lord, we are in awe of your mercy. You are the forgiving king. (laughs) Though you have every right to call the debts in that we owe and to, to punish us, to make us pay, you have demonstrated your love and mercy in this, that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we have earned damnation through our sin, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we marvel at your mercy. We pray that your grace would touch every heart here today. Pray that uh, if anyone here needs to get real about their sin with you, they would do that. You give them the courage and the humility to do that. And let them walk in the freedom of your forgiveness. And Father, we also pray for those in our lives that (laughs) have hurt us. I ask you, Lord, even now by your Holy Spirit, to unlock doors of our hearts that have been shut tight, filled with grudges or bitterness or unforgiveness, whether small things or great things. We release to you the people that have hurt us. We release them uh, from what they owe us. We surrender them to your hands and to your justice and into your mercy. And we pray that you would help us to live in reconciliation, help us to do the hard work of forgiveness, but also to trust in your spirit for what we can't do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think I've done this before, but um, it occurred to me with the subject today, I'd like to um, open it up for a couple of questions. If anyone has a question about forgiveness or about what Jesus meant in this passage, um, when I was in Croatia, last month I was getting to know the bus driver on our tour bus who was a Croatian man and we were talking about faith and Jesus and church and he said if I came to your church could I ask a question during the service I was like oh uh well we don't really do that but that's a good idea (laughs) um so this is not something I'm going to do every week but does anyone have a question or something that Um, you're wondering about.